Shemitah. For most of us, it's just seeing Karen Ashvias ads every couple of years, and if you live in Eretz Yisrael, it's being careful with your orange peels. That's more or less it. But there are thousands of farmers across Eretz Yisrael, which every Shemitah, they give up their entire income. Sometimes even giving up on major contracts that could get up to millions of dollars without knowing what's going to be or how they're going to put food on their table. But they still do it because that's what Hashem said. Now, who are these incredible people that the Torah calls heroes, Gibore Koach? What are their life stories? How do they get through the year and how do they recover? I'm Yisrael Yudkowsky, host of the Foundations Podcast, and we partnered up with Karen Shvias to take a ride across the country and meet these inspiring farmers. Today, on the first episode of Heroes of the Land, we sit down with farmer Chizkio Amir Dromi to hear about his incredible life story growing up in a kibbutz in Eretz Yisrael after the army going on a war from Turkey all the way to India, and then continuing on a seven-year journey around the world. What brought him back to Eretz Yisrael? How did he survive the past five Shemitahs and what he learned from it? All that and much more on today's episode. I'm Yisrael Yudkowsky, you are listening to the Foundations Podcast. I just heard you had, your son had a wedding That's uh, right, just a week, a week and ago. A half ago. Yes. Beautiful. So Mazda 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 was actually here. It's so the best place to have a wedding probably. It's beautiful. You guys have to see, see this place. It's, you know, the fields and the lands and the view. It is really a truly uh, amazing, amazing place. Yeah, and I heard is it uh, is it true that you like built most of the stuff that are around here this whole uh, area? Well, when, when we got here 40 years ago, it was all in destroyed in the War of Independence. There was a, a battle that went on here, and the Jewish uh, force that beat the Arab force, they destroyed the buildings so that they would not want to come back, those that flew, and also they destroyed the well. It's an ancient uh, means of people not coming back because there's mm, no, water. no water. So we got here 40 years after that, and we found it all in, <clears throat> destroyed, and we've been rebuilding it slowly, since then. So before we get to Shmuita, because that's what we're all here for, um, what uh, what's kind of your childhood? Where did you grow up? And what is the story? What brings you to live uh, in such a place? Well, I was born on a kibbutz in the south of Israel. And uh, my parents, they came, my father from Bulgaria in 1945, my mom from the States, New York in 1949. They met on the kibbutz, married, and I was born there. And then, <clears throat> in childhood, my father went to study in the States, so we were there a few years, came back to Beersheba. I went to school until I played rookie. I did not find a good place for me in the school, so I went to the school of world, of the world. That's what interested me until then, um, until now. And, uh, and then I was in the army, and the Yom Kippur War we were in the battles, and wow. I went through a very severe uh, emotional uh, yeah, I could experience. Imagine that was crazy so times. after yeah. that, I left Israel. I went on a journey that went on for seven years, wow. and it started out by walking from Turkey to India, wow. through, through Iran, Afghanistan, Pakistan with using my American passport, of course, leaving behind my Israeli. And I was uh, amazed by the beauty of the world, and it went on for seven years. 
I uh, met my wife when I was in the army service, so she uh, got, uh, she went with me on the travels at the end of my travels together and then we decided to come back home to Israel and start up an organic farm and we looked for a place suitable to do this and we were offered this place then mm -hmm. at that time and so we started out Wow, so before we get to, you know, the building here and everything, I mean, I just can imagine, you know, walking from Turkey to India and, you know, and somewhere and around and the world. Yes. Uh, is there, uh, I mean, I'm sure you have uh, many, many crazy stories, but what is, is there any stories that, you know, stand out that... There's so many, more? if I if I started now, we'd finish a long way from here. I can just say you that... You'd finish in seven years, yeah. <laughs> I can just say that uh, one of the things that I learned is how much I don't know. When you're young, you're quite sure that whoever agrees with you, he's right. And if he doesn't agree with you, he's wrong. So I was at that stage of life. And then during my travels, slowly Hashem that was with me, I wasn't aware of that at the time, but slowly it awakened into me that I saw that I make so many mistakes and, and wrong calculations and I should have died here or there, or a few times, because I was very stubborn, so Hashem was stubborn with me, to put me through very, very severe situations. And then all of a sudden I'm saved, again and again and again. And slowly it got to my awareness that that something is hidden from my knowledge that I have to open up to and find out. And then I started reading uh, you know, our sacred uh, writings, and I saw that there's so much wisdom, so much truth, and so much love, and so much... So I was on a step-by-step -step process all mm -hmm. through this travel. Well, was there one story, you know, life-threatening story that stood out more than others that was, you know, made I can a tell you when change? I... when I uh, There are a few, because I was stubborn. I told you I had to have mm. a few lessons. Hashem needed to keep on teaching you. Yes, yes. You. And that's all life. We're studying, we're learning all through life. But uh, uh, I'm trying to decide. There's so much to which, choose from. Yeah. Which one I'm going <laughs> to say. But uh, when, when I was uh, in the Himalayas, the high mountains, very, very high, uh, it's uh, where we were lost in the Himalayas, my wife and I. We lost our way no food, hardly. We were skin and bones at heights that are not passable in any way, and we were passing them. And then we had to pass this highest of the peaks. That's uh, around, uh, what, around 7,000 meters high. I don't know, in, in feet. And there's no oxygen and no food, as I said, skin and bones already because we've been lost for a long time. And then we had to cross this huge glacier close to the top of the mountain. And I saw my wife and she was blue in the color of her skin and uh, there's no way we're gonna get out of this. I took her backpack onto me and I said, you, Yael, follow me close by. And I walked and all of a sudden the glacier collapsed. Wow. Under me, I fell to, uh, and I crashed on a, on a uh, how do you say, uh, ice. Uh, a uh, slab of ice that was way down, and I lost consciousness immediately. For me, I was dead. My wife got to this hole, which was formed by my falling through, 
and she started screaming down. She saw me lying there, and she didn't know if I was dead or whatever. It's probably also very deep. She very deep. I down. fell around 10 meters. No, wow. more than 10 meters. I just, wow. otherwise I wouldn't have lost consciousness. And, uh, and eventually I heard her voice, and I sort of awoken. And then I saw where I was, and I had to climb up very, very cautiously, not to topple everything down. And, and there was even a much uh, deeper fall if I had fallen a bit to the side. So it was very dense. And when we got up to there, when I had to continue walking, and I won't tell you because there are many, many, we were saved by Hashem so miraculously. But when I started walking after that, Every step, I prayed. Now, these are this is my first prayer in life, and I didn't know how to pray. So what I prayed was, I th- said thank you to every person that I had ever met in my life, the names. So that's my personal prayer without knowing that's what came out of my heart and soul. Yeah, so that's just one small, because I, don't, I won't tell you how we managed to survive that uh, Wow, I'm not sure it's in life. crazy. And what was, you know, from this whole, you know, journey, this, this one, uh, you know, crazy story, I'm sure there was so much, I mean, seven years, it's, yeah. I could just imagine, what was like the number one thing, uh, you know, that you learned uh, for your life from this whole uh, journey? Hashem. And my heart is here in Israel. I tried to see if my heart is in New Zealand and in Tahiti and in wherever not. And I just could not stay. I could pass through. I could see Hashem's amazing works and doings. But to settle down, my roots were here. You like didn't connect to any other place. I connected to everything except my heart. Mm-hmm. My heart was here. So I had to come home. My wife was even more stubborn than me to come back home. And mm-hmm. so together we were one. And that's how we started out here. Oh, so what uh, so what exactly do you do here? How did it get started? I'll say that we we got here very uh, determined to start up an organic farm, which was uh, a term that wasn't even known in Israel in those years. This is 40 years going back. So we went to the Minister of Agriculture and told him that I want to put up an organic farm. He looked at me as if I'm a bit off my head. And he said, okay, go to Australia. So I said, I've been to Australia. So then he said, go to New Zealand. I said, I've already been there. I came back home. And when he saw that, I was very sort of... Any country he names. I was there, I was there, I was there. (laughs) And I'm back home. That was the main thing. And he took it to heart. And he decided to help us. And he told us it's very difficult in Israel to start up a private farm. You can go on a kibbutz, you can go on a moshav, but a farm out in the nature. But... If we're very determined and very stubborn and have it within us, uh, we'll succeed, hopefully. So it was a long process, two years of trying to find the place and get the permission and all that. And eventually we were given uh, permission and the lease on the land here. They told us that we will, within a few years, get... Uh, a lease for a lifetime, for 49 years. That will be, you know, that never happened. We always went on these short leases that were gave us another three years, another three years. They were supposed it, to eventually get to the big one. It was supposed to get to the big one and never got there. And then they changed their laws and regulations. And all of a sudden, we were considered outlaws because our lease ended and they did not want to continue it. 
and all, all kinds of crazy. When we got here, of course, we thought that the difficult times would be the drought or Arabs that were uh, infiltrating, and we were, uh, or the the fires that sometimes yeah. were here, and we had to put them out. But what turned out is that those that gave us are the ones that became our main enemies, to my dismay, to this day. And we've been going a very, very difficult process about them. There's also already a Supreme Court decision to tear down the farm. Wow. And that's something that you can't appeal because it's the highest Supreme Court. Supreme yeah. Court. But the Supreme Court said within that that they will give us time to try for humanitarian reasons to try and find a solution if we will succeed within this timetable they gave us. So then we approached the Minister of Agriculture and the municipality, and everyone, almost everyone, was in favor of us. And now there's uh, this kind of uh, 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 plan that we won't be able to stay and live here which is breaking my heart. I mean, yeah, you built but, up this whole but place for 40 years. we will be able to continue cultivating and uh, and getting, you know, youths that come here for rehabilitation mm. other than the agricultural activity. And the, the housing that we live here very simply in ancient houses, we will have to get a plot close to the Moshav and build it up and pay, I don't know how much they'll uh, demand from us. And then we'll be able to live there and continue to continue cultivate. Continue the, the here, work that the you work do. And you would there. need to like tear down the houses that you built the, or you would the, be able to the, do the, the ancient there. houses, no, but the, the new buildings that we put up to uh, complete what was, we'll have to tear that down. Mm -hmm. But they'll give us a time until hopefully this plan will pass. It, it's not for oh, sure. Oh, it's still ongoing? It's still, yeah, yesterday, there was a main meeting. Is it going to pass or not? And it was postponed until Thursday, this coming Thursday. Wow. And then it's, yeah, there's still some processes. It's very bureaucratical in Israel, I'm sorry to say. And yeah, you know, and I guess the politics, Supreme Court and judges. But, but, and... but here, what we do is, since we got here, is we were told that we have to have a herd a uh, flock of sheep or something to uh, how do you say to, to justify justify the fact that we live with not in a village but on our own so that justification comes from a whole having a herd that eats the the grasses in the surrounding area so I wasn't planning on being a shepherd but I accepted that and we bought some goats and sheep and since then we have a herd of uh, she, and now we have only goats, and we put up a, a oil uh, olive oil press, an ancient oh. on yeah, stone. I noticed the olive trees are right yes, down here. Yes, but the the oil press is the, the last of the ancient type with the stones. All the others in Israel have stopped working wow. because they have these modern contraptions. Yeah. We got an old one and it was working for many years but then because of this court case they they made me close it so it's been waiting for the past 12 years not working thank wow. god they didn't tell us to tear it down at the t time but we'll have to somehow probably move it to where they allow it hopefully in the outcome of things and then we have the gardens here fruit uh, trees 
for our own consumption, my family, my broad family, and uh, and vegetable uh, gardens. And uh, a lot of you, as I, as I said, many, many, many youths that have either problems or before they have problems, or they're just looking for uh, some meaning uh, in life and so forth. They come here and thank God they leave with a uh, new... Yeah, I mean, I could imagine even me just coming, like it's so peaceful, so beautiful. You yes. know, you hear the chickens, the, the trees. I mean, it's, I mean, it's really a beautiful place. And then you can place. also hear their own soul. And that's the most important. They can find out that they, each one of them, has a, an important part in this world, and not just another one sitting on a chair. You know, one of seven the, billion. Yeah. You know, I'm just another. Yeah, each another. one is very special, and that's what they. I think that they mainly experience here. So also uh-huh. people from overseas that are not sure if they're going to stay in Israel, leave Israel. They come here. Decision. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <It's made. laughs> So talking about you mentioned that you have you know farms of different you know fruits and vegetables that yeah. you grow uh, for your own uh, you know for your house uh, yes. so you know let's move to Shemitah what do you do uh, during the Shemitah? Shemitah this is our uh, fifth Shemitah I think and um, what we do is uh, we accept Shemitah like you accept on another for you accept Shabbos what do you do on Shabbos? It's not the same but it, yeah, it's, it's a full year of, it's no, a different yeah. thing but just to understand what it means. It's a completely different uh, life format. Whereas in uh, all the other times, in every morning, you wake up, you go down to the garden, you hoe, you, you clean up, you plant, you do all those things. And all of a sudden, now you're not allowed to do that at all. You're allowed to do certain things that things won't die off and there, there's it's not a full day job but not anyways but so it's a very special time like on as i said shabbos what do you do on shabbos? all of a sudden you have more time for the kids you have more time for to study you have to to think to calm down so here on the farm it's not to that level because there are many things on the regular years of the you know the cycle that uh, I'm so busy in the agriculture that I don't fix the faucet in the house or I didn't so give my wife up, so yeah. all of a sudden now this year I can do all those things that I have left behind and also of course you have the which is the process for me to go from, I have this constant but it's a, a very limited, limited yeah. and now I have more time for that. And of course, you, when you're exposed to this, then you uh, recognize Hashem's uh, amazing love to us and what He gives. Usually, you know, when you work and toil, you think and accept it as your own. It's because I did something. And I woke I, up in the morning. I was working <coughs> yeah. hard. I, you know, fed. I made sure everything was good. So, yeah, so it's my success. But when you don't and you see Hashem, how He does it constantly, regardless of everything, and you're much more aware of things that many times you can just bypass and not notice. So, yes, it's a, it's a very special year. Yeah, and how, how does it affect your income? Is there, first, because you mentioned the stuff that you do before, stuff, you know, that you use, you know, fruits and vegetables okay. for your own use, but are there anything that, uh, you know, during the year you do to sell that hurts your income? Yes. And also, I would say that because now you don't have the fruits and vegetables, you need to go out and buy it. It's like you need more of an income. So how does the Shemitah affect It, it, it affects the fact that you, you can't 
sell off, you know, what you, uh, as a hefkel, right? So yeah. let's say the olive trees that I have, uh, people are allowed to come in and take uh, what they need, and, uh, and I'm allowed to take what I need, but I can't take it all and tell no one to come around. It's the opposite. People ask me, and I said, listen, it's, it's there. Uh, so on that level, uh, it's, it's different. And of course, I used to uh, grow things not only here, but uh, some plant for food for the goats and sheep to make bales of hay and these kinds of things. So there, that I have to now buy, uh, you know, I can't just process it on my own. And... Uh, that, that's, yeah, mainly... That's, do the cheese and olives and stuff that you do, is there anything that you sell? Yes. People to have yes, some income? Yes. Mm -hmm. But I'm not allowed to officially because of the court case that went on. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I do it to people that there are many people that love in it. Yeah, the neighborhood. Yeah, and, yeah that uh, know us for many years. And, very nice. And what is, uh, you know, Shemitah, uh, you know, some people you do, you know, you still have the goats and still have, you know, the smaller sorts of income. But what is it? You know, because it, it's still, I'm sure, you know, it is really hard, even, you know, everything that you, you Listen, build for to someone, work For and... someone that only, that only does, agro, that's what we were in previous years. Mm -hmm. Now, recently, we have more groups, as I said, that come in for that kind of therapy. And so there is some kind of income from that. And that does not stop in the Shemitah. But for a farmer that is completely dependent on what he grows all of a sudden he has nothing, no income at all. And at this all. is your first Shemitah, it was and more like that? This <clears throat> is the first Shemitah that we have this year because of the Corona and all kinds of things that went in. So uh, this, we didn't have to change so much. We're not allowed to, this, especially this Shemitah, but previously we did much more planting and uh, and so this year it was less to begin with. So, but even so, I know many, many farmers around that hold the shemitah and they have nothing as far as income. So, so how very, do like how do people survive? You know, you you're, you're in the so past you use it. Listen, what am I doing? Let's say now with my court case, I'll tell you what I did. I sold the house that I had inherited so that I could pay the bills that I have to pay to the lawyers and to the planners and to this and all the rest. So I know that in previous years, I used part of what I had the saved that, you had. that I had. And also, Hashem has His ways. And the, uh, as I once a friend from the States called me and she was in a certain kind of prediction, she didn't know what to do. And I told her, listen, there's more hidden than seen. What we see is only a part of what is actually happening. So you don't see it now, maybe tomorrow, who knows where and what will, you know, deliverance. It comes in a second, not because of you or what Hashem is with us all the time. So I know miraculously it's not something uh, all of a sudden a star comes and starts talking to you. No. They're like, you know, just a pallet of money falls. And, no, that know. does not. That can yeah. also happen. But no, but somehow we. It, it, you just we, somehow we go, you just make yes, it. Yes, we make it. 
Mm-hmm. Something like happened. now, so you know, with the goats and with the, you know having uh, kids come into the to the place, and you know it's something kind of that the court cases and the whole trouble the government gave you, you know, forced you to start doing that. And now, as you said, you know, because of that, you have you know shemitah affects you a little bit less. So it can it, be also it, shemitah itself affects us less, but because we have this uh, court case and we might have to go and purchase this land over there, it's way way above works, our abilities. It's so much more expensive. It's even more than any. Shemitah that could come upon us. What we will have to try and I will probably have to go out and try and get support and help for this uh, and uh, I'll do it if I have to. It's been quite a journey over the past few months at Karen Hashvis. With Shemitah on the horizon, we span the land of Israel, reaching out to hundreds of farmers, urging them to commit themselves to leave their fields. With the promise of support, thousands of farmers pledge to lay down their tools and submit themselves to a higher calling. At the same time, fundraising efforts were launched across the globe for a call to partner with the heroic farmers. Chloe's Rawl answered the call and came through like never before. And then, in the twilight hours of the new year, farmers on 363 settlements walked away from their fields. They did the impossible. They abandoned their land and gave up their livelihood. We reached a historic milestone. For the first time in almost 2,000 years, 51% of privately owned Jewish agricultural land is lying fallow. The achievement is unprecedented. But... We're far from done. We raised enough for the farmers to commit, but it's not enough to get them through the full year. If we don't continually support the farmers, some may buckle under the burden. The sacrifice may become too large, too heavy, and they may not be able to pull through. The farmers still need our support. We gave them our word. We can't let them down. sounds really amazing that you know you're not you know with the government i'm sure especially that you know they promise that you'll have it and then they say oh no we changed the law you know make so much people you know so angry and go against them and this and that and you know it's really to see that you know you're just you know kind of you know believing in hashem and and doing whatever do you feel that you know working in the past shemitahs and the amun and bitachon and you know the incredible power it takes to keep shemitah do you think that that helped you with the challenges you have now i can tell you that we there were around five or six private farms in this wide area from here to Jerusalem. Uh, one was there, one was there. We're, there was one senior to us that started up two years before us, another three that started up after us. Not one of them survived. We're the last, I won't say Mohicans because we're not, the last of the, the organic farmers in the center of Israel that survived. Now, I won't, I never looked into their ways of life, but I think that they were not Shomrei Shabbat, you know, they did not take that into consideration with their way of life. So I won't, I have no idea what the reasons are. I, I'm katonti. But we're here. 
And thank God, and I'm sure that I know that the, the strength, many, many, many people have asked me, Amir, how do you survive all the, I mean, go, leave, forget about it. I told them, I, it's, it's like telling me to leave behind my heart. I can't. And you, you, you were all, all the way around the world in any yeah. possible place. And, you know, this is where you're settled. That's beautiful. Our roots it, are very deep here, yes. Yeah. Is there, I, I noticed there's a well on the way, yes. on the way into the entrance. Is there a story behind it? Or there's an amazing story? story behind it. When we decided to start up a farm in Israel, we decided, my wife and I, that the sign from Shemaim would be that there has to be a uh, a natural source of water. So we took maps of Israel looking for the springs and the wells that were on the maps and we went from place to place to see if it's suitable for us and also uh, with the authorities. And when we got to this area, to the land authorities here, the chief of the land authorities at that time said, there is one place that I want you to settle there. Because there was many problems here. There were Arabs that tried to take over this place and many uh, skirmishes between. So there were many uh, fires lit in, uh, re- uh, purposely to burn down the place mm-hmm. and, and so forth. And so he said, Amir, by you being here, you'll stop all that happening. So we looked at the map and we saw that on the map there is a well. But when we got there, there wasn't a well, there was just a pit, soil and stones. And it turned out that in the War of Independence in 1947, there was a battle here because the Arabs here that where we are living, they murdered the shepherd of the Moshav. And the the herd of goats, uh, sheep, came back without the shepherd and they found him slaughtered. And when they got close to the buildings here, uh, a battle aroused, uh, uh, and there was fire, uh, whatever, a uh, battle. And the Jewish soldiers won the battle, and the Arabs flew. Two of them were killed, and the others went. And then they blew up. The Jewish soldiers blew up the buildings and the well, so the Arabs would wa- not want to come back. And it's a very ancient uh, way of destroying the wells. Yeah, now there's no the, water. There's no, no water. You can't live. come back. So... When we got here 40 years later, we found the well destroyed. And how do you know if there's water or not? So my wife and I, very simply, we took uh, picks and uh, shovels and started digging into that uh, pit. And thank God, Hashem was very, very, very uh, Rahman, how do you say, merciful. The year previously, there was a lot of rain. So when we got here, the water table was still high. So when we started digging down, eventually, after many days of digging, but we got to a puddle of water. And I understood that from there down, it's all water. So all I have to do is rebuild the well, which took us around 14 years. Wow. That's another story. But the well is there, and we rebuilt it, and it gives us the water. Now, what? turned out to be is that when I started digging it out and rebuilding the stones that had collapsed into the well, I saw huge stones that I had never seen in any well 
anywhere on earth, and I've been around the earth, and I've been to many wells in many, many different circumstances, never had I seen that. So I looked up and I found a very senior archaeologist, and I told him, listen, there's a well here that I'm rebuilding. I see the stones. I want you to come and tell me what you... He said, I've seen all the wells already. Leave me be. I'm very busy. I don't have time, whatever. And he angered me. <laughs> so I told him, listen, I'm not an archaeologist, but I've seen many more wells than you have. And this well... There's something I, special there's here. Something, you have to come here. And so he did come, and he was... He wasn't so happy about coming, but I managed to somehow convince him. And when he looked into the well, he almost fainted. He almost fell into the well. He said, Amir, it can't be. This well is from the time of more or less the first temple time. Wow. Now, he said, but that can't be. The archaeologist says, this can't be because all the wells from that time were destroyed through the wars. That was a means of winning a war. So destroy, they dig again, new well, destroy, dig again. How could it be that until 1947, this well existed? And he didn't have any uh, solution to this. My, the, my uh, goats gave me the answer. That was accepted by the archaeologist. Wow. One day, I was not a very good shepherd at the time. It was, I was just beginning my shepherding. So the goats were shepherding me, <laughs> not me then. <laughs> they took you on They took me on. Yeah, I'd have to follow them. So they went up to the top of the hill here, hilltop. And there, there is a very ancient um, fortress that is destroyed. But a very old one, very ancient Excuse me. Now, when I went up there, it was a very clear afternoon. The, the, you could see from all the way out to the sea that we see the sea here. On, but that day, it was completely clear. So I could see all the way over to the horizon, wherever it was. And I was new here, so I saw such a clear, and it was afternoon. I checked to see what can I see from the hilltop. I'd never done that before. And I saw from north of Tel Aviv, Herzliya, a place called Herzliya. And then I went down slowly, Ashdod, and I see Ashkelon. And then I see Gaza, the city of Gaza. And then I see the city of Rafiach, south of that. And then I see even south of that. And I said, Amir, you're maybe... Uh, <laughs> All the way down to Egypt. Look again. And I checked myself out again. And I saw that I'm quite good at... Uh, yeah, because I've been yeah, around. If you so, take a walk from Turkey to India, you need to know yeah, uh, how your way about. Stuff, you so I, that was that's what I saw, and I was sitting up there in the afternoon, the goats eating around me, and all of a sudden it clicked. I said, I understood. This well survived because whoever conquered the land, and it was conquered so many times that our heart is bleeding, but. They left this well for that vantage point that they'd have water so that they could guard themselves because they could see any forces coming in from any direction. And the word probably passed around. So also a new 
a new, let's say, army that came in and conquered. They heard that there is a well here and there is a fortress there, and they left it. So that's how it passed from generation to generation. So even though they, they destroyed all the wells around, they kept this they, one. So they could this keep one for the advantage. And for when them. I called up the archaeologist and I told him, listen, I was up on the hill, and all of a sudden he said, that's the only answer that could uh, be accepted. So that's a special. Wow. So, like you said before, you know, like the goats to you is something, okay. you know, I very much connected. We spoke with on the program with uh, Rip Shmuel Bloom, we mentioned in one that, you know, listening to, you know, listening on Kodesh Baruch who is constantly talking to us, we just need to understand. As uh, so he said, you know, you need to keep your eyes and brain open. So is there anything else uh, that you learned, you know, from the goats or from the plate? I mean, I'm sure there's many uh, stuff. Constantly, big, uh, stuff all the time, the goats, I mean, all our forefathers were, were shepherds. Why? There's a very, very, very deep meaning in this. When I started uh, going out with the goats, I hadn't a clue what it means. But the, all of a sudden you see within your, let's say, herd of goats, you have the grandpas and grandmas of the goat. They're not always uh, fastest. They're a bit, you know, linger behind. You have to sh guard them. You have to sh They can't run after the, and leave them behind. Sometimes um, a mother goat gives birth right there in the middle of nowhere. And you have to pay attention, see that she's been crying before, so you pay attention, have an eye, and then she gives birth. The, 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 how do you say, the jackals and the foxes around the, immediately, uh, take the, the offspring, the newborn. So you have to guard that. You have to take it on your, I've come home sometimes with my shirt. I'd make a sling and I'd put five or six births wow. and take them home, bring them home. And then you have to make sure that the mother accepts them. And you give them uh, food, you have to wake up in the middle of the night. And so when you go through all these things, when you take care of your own family, you have much more understanding for the needs of your kids, patience to be there when needed. And, uh, and it's so much like that when you have a uh, 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 vegetable garden. If you don't weed around them, not on a Shemitah, yes, but uh, you don't weed, then they'll take all the good things out and nothing will be, it's also with us. If we get distracted and there are so many uh, weeds around us, then our good soul will not develop. So there's so many, that's why Hashem made the world as He made it. For us to see it, to understand it, to listen in, to pay attention. And those are our guidelines yeah. in life, of course. Yeah. Wow, beautiful. I mean, I could just imagine how much, uh, you know, stuff you learned. Is there, so is there something, you know, staying on the topic of uh, learning from things around you and from stuff that happened, is there anything that you take from Shemitah into the uh, other, the rest of the six years? The, the, the fact that that uh, Hashem is the one and only actual producer and uh, that gives all the what is needed is something that when you experience it in the Shemitah, it gives you the next six years to, to um, how do you say, to... Uh, 
not to accept, but to, to notice that this is what is happening around you constantly. It does, it's not only on the Shemitah. It's on the Shemitah you can pay it's attention. It's much more noticeable. Yes. But then when you're on your regular day-to-day activity and you see someone uh, or some situation that you somehow are entangled in for the good and for the bad sometimes, it helps you know how to react. It, you know, it uh, puts you in a different position. We're not, not the position where I am going to decide what's going to happen now, but let me listen to Hashem. He's surely going to help me out in this situation. And when you're in that position, then Hashem is there. No. Is there, did there ever happen that, you know, someone, I don't know, from the area or really anywhere in Eretz Yisrael, uh, that you reached out to him or he reached out to you, someone who wasn't keeping Shemitah that, you know, you kind of helped him and explained to him about Shemitah that, you know, uh, that he started keeping Shemitah with your help? I can, uh, many, many. I just, I don't write them down and I don't uh, follow up. You know, to see, but I know that many, many people that, and there are many people that co- have come through this farm. Some have come to volunteer, let's say, newly married, so they come for six months to be shepherds, and then they experience what's happening here, and they just go on in their life taking this with them. So it's not one and not two, there are hundreds of these wow. people that have been here. So I can't say, no one, I don't have a certificate on them. Call them up, hey, did you and, start keeping and it's not, And it's also not me. Again, I am here, I was uh, allowed to be here. And I, yeah, the help out, cause I know Karen Ashvias, they do, you know, they go around from, you know, all the villages and, you know, different farmers and, you know, talk to them to convince Shemitah. Ken, Ken. Um, so I'm, I'm not in that position. Or? I'm not, mm-hmm. they came to, from the beginning when Karen Ashmita started up, they heard about our farm and they came here and we've been in very good contact with them from the beginning. And thank God they, uh, can, they, they're doing amazing, uh, things, helping out farmers and, uh, surely, uh, bringing to awareness much more people. You can see that there are m- much yeah. more people that are observing the Shemitah or at least interested in finding out about it. So yeah, it's I mean, just even the numbers, the past Shemitah, there was uh, there was uh, three hundred thirty thousand dunam in Eretz Yisrael that you know was being that wasn't worked on on Shemitah, and this year it went from three hundred thirty thousand to close to seven hundred thousand. I think it's a little double. bit over six hundred eighty thousand dunam, which is double. Which also six hundred eighty thousand dunam is half of the Jewish land in Eretz Yisrael uh, that you know that uh, farming land, which is you know fifty percent of the land is uh, that Jews own has been kept Shemitah, it's uh, amazing. Okay. Is it through Karen Shemitah, since the beginning you said five Shemitahs ago that you started keeping, was it uh, a big help that, you know, you have Karen Shemitah really with, uh, and Jews from all over the world helping you and supporting you? Was that a help in the that Shemitah? Is, that is uh, a great help. I know it's uh, a bigger help to farmers that have big plots of land because the, the amount of... Uh, help that you get is they they have to calculate it in right, a certain based way based on the amount of land that yes. you have yeah. so and here we we we're in a different uh, situation but also surely it it is a help to us surely and through this i know that some of the people that i met through the Shemitah helped us also with the uh, general uh, processes that we're going through now, trying to help us survive on the farm so mitzvah goeret mitzvah 
So that's how it is actually, and of course, it's any good thing that you do is so important, regardless if someone noticed or didn't notice. So Keren Shemitah, it's also a very, very important thing that has, after 2,000 years of not being here, all of a sudden it's happening again. So it's, I see it as a basic, uh, important, like those uh, basic things that uh, body needs, you know, those, uh, few, food, sleep, well, yeah. water, yeah. uh, vitamin B12. Yeah. So it's one of those that has to be there so that we have this, uh, balanced, uh, and we can go ahead and, uh, well, and f- from your experience, you know, cause Shemitah is definitely, uh, you know, a tremendous mitzvah and you notice much more than other mitzvahs is that you have like Nisim, like any farmer that keeps Shemitah, you ask him, and it's the first Shemitah, seven Shemitahs, no matter how much it is, every single one has like tremendous uh, miracles that happen to them during Shemitah, like so much more, uh, like it's so noticeable, like you have also on the other side, people who don't keep Shemitah, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, locusts and fires and, and just so much stuff that bad happens to them during Shemitah, and then on the other hand, people who keep Shemitah, there's just incredible Nisim, so many, and like Whoever keeps Shemitah, he'll, he'll have amazing stories. So what is it, do you think, about Shemitah that is, you know, so much different and so much more noticeable than Nisim and help from Hashem, you know, compared to other mitzvahs? Well, I'll tell you, I think that uh, they say mitzvah l'shem mitzvah, right? So we keep the Shemitah, not because we're going to get a miracle that Hashem will take care of us. Let's say this last year, I'll just give you an example that just happened. Last year, uh, the olive olives on the farm had just the most amazing flowering that we thought we were sure that we were going to have an amazing uh, crop before the Shemitah. And we'll have enough oil for two years. The last rain that fell usually, and we pray for rain constantly, right? Okay. The last rain that fell, it it uh, fell, uh, caused all the flowering to fall because wow. they were not, and there's hardly a, a, an olive on the tree. So you ask me, well, you have double the amount, right? We don't have anything this year, but that is part of Hashem's way. Of, you know, che- not he doesn't have to check us, but his way of, of processing, you know, see, strengthening us that we don't do it because we're getting something. We do it because we have to do it. And if Hashem gives us, we always say thank you. And also, if He doesn't give us, we say thank you. So is there, you know, talking about miracles, is there, did you have, you know, that you kept five Shemitahs? Was there a specific miracle that happened every one of the Shemitahs, the same thing, or each time it's not to uh, me, Not to me. I'm, I, I, also, again, I won't say, because who knows, maybe I was supposed to be, I don't know what, and uh, I was saved, and I didn't even notice it. Uh, uh, can can most of them are nisim nistarim? You don't know that what uh, uh, could have happened to you a second uh, before. So, and I'm also in my nature. I'm. I don't look. I've had so many things happen in my life, miracles that were not nistar, that were just right in front of me. So I, uh, you know, I'm. I'm not focused on in on that. I try to lead my life day on a daily basis do what i should do try my best and that's where i am wow beautiful so just a final question just to end off is there something from shmita uh, that you think you gain 
that someone who doesn't sh- keep Shemitah won't be able to have that. Of course. And again, I get back to Shabbos. You can ask that exact question about Shabbos. What do you gain? Everything. It's not just something. It's, it's uh, a Shabbat, la, the world Shabbos. All the plants, I mean, we're a very few. The plants on earth are milliardim, trillionim, I don't know what. They're all there, and this is their Shemitah, this is their Shabbos. So what, I put myself right there, and I'm the important thing? No, no, no. So it, it balances things out to understand that you're not, you're part of something that Hashem, and He created it all. We just learned in the Parashot Shavua, the last Parashot, that how He formed the earth and how important every part of what His creation is. And this allows us and helps us to see this, the Shemitah. It helps us to see that in that right proportion. Thank you. It was, you know, really inspiring. Uh, it really is amazing. Uh, could you maybe give us a bracha? Because, you know, obviously someone who gives up, you know, such a big part of his life for such a long time, you know, a full year, someone could have no income for a year, you know, for a week or two, but, you know, for a full year, not to have, you know, a big part of your income to just stop it all. And you still have a lot of expenses, you know, like you said, with the goats, you still need to buy them food. Um, but still, you know, your income is much less it, you know, and the only reason, I mean, it really, you would, tell this to anyone in the world, he would think you're crazy, but really you're not, because, you know, you're doing it for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that's, you know, it's really a tremendous thing that, you know, most people never get to, you know, to give up such a big thing uh, for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So if you could uh, give us a blessing. Um, what I'd say simply is, Shashem imale kol mishalot libcha letova. Amen. Because we have so many things within ourselves, sometimes we get confused. So it's not all what we want is for letova. So we have to letova. It's like uh, now Avram, Sarah. We can see they were on the tova. I mean, there's so many things that a person can do, and he has to go on the straight path. So, because every person, every Yehudi, every Jew on earth is kadosh. He has it, but it's locked away somewhere or not uh, visible to him or he didn't pay attention to it. So, But he has it within him. So I say that his real emet uh, wishes, may they come true. May they... Amen. Thank you very much. We wish you much luck with the whole court Amen. cases and everything. You should have a you know, much slacha. Everything should work out. And, and I will just say, if I may, yeah. that uh, if... Anyone that sees this also has an inclination to maybe something in his heart would like to help in any way. Samson Farm in Israel, he can find it surely, and we'll, we're always uh, here. There's uh, some website or somewhere. There, there, yeah, it? yeah, and the website. Uh, if they put in Samson Farm, maybe we'll have the link and maybe, we'll, we'll put okay. in the description. Okay, thank uh, you. So if anyone could help you out, for sure. I think also in general, you know, so through Karen Ashrias, people all over the world, people who keep Shemitah, okay. like you said, it's such a unique mitzvah and such a tremendous thing that, you know, everybody wants to help it's with it. So, um, it's a sham. So, yeah, thank you very much for, you. for having us. Uh, it was really inspiring. Much aslacha with everything. Thank, thank you. you.